welcome to Light for the Journey, a podcast of Russell Memorial United Methodist Church. Each week, we open the scriptures in faith that the timeless truth of God will guide us as we seek to follow in the steps of Jesus. This week's message concludes the sermon series based on I Am a Church Member by Tom S. Rayner. The first five weeks of the sermon series focused on how to be a functioning, unifying, and selfless member of the church who prays for their preacher and uses their influence with their family to strengthen the church. In this final week, Pastor David Cartwright reminds us that being a church member is a gift, not an obligation. Our church family is there to help us thrive in life while we uplift God's message and work, and it should be our joy to help with that mission. As we go to our message today, let's open our hearts and minds to the truth that God would speak to us. I invite you to turn to the first of our scripture readings today, found in the book of 2 Corinthians in the New Testament, chapter 5. We'll be reading there verses 17 through 21. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth, saying, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, in these moments, may our hearts and our minds be open and attentive to you. Lead lead me by your spirit that I would speak words of your truth, that they would be spoken in simplicity, full of grace, so that you would accomplish in our midst your good and perfect will. For every good thing that we receive and experience, We offer only to you the praise and the glory in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Every one of us in this room have received gifts at various times. Christmas gifts, birthday gifts, gifts for no particular reason. Gifts from friends, gifts from loved ones, gifts. You don't have to say amen to this, except maybe only in your mind. But I'm going to say that most of us in here, at some time or another, have received a gift from someone, and you thought, what in the world am I going to do with that? Certainly well-intentioned, but just something that you thought, I don't know how I'm ever going to use that. Probably many of us in here 
have at some time or another received a gift that you never opened. Somehow it just stayed in the packaging, got placed on a shelf, and maybe forgotten about over time. Like I said, you don't have to say amen to that. I'm just kind of getting the sense that maybe I'm not alone in that experience. How we receive a gift has much to do with our attitude toward the gift. Sometimes we receive a gift that we immediately know that we can use and we unwrap it and we start to uh, put it into use or we, you know, if it's something like an ornament or, you know, a fixture, we put it on the wall, put it on the mantle, display. We somehow find a way to use the gift that we've received. Or maybe if it's something that is given from someone who is dearly special to you, we, we find a place for it or we find a use for it simply because the one who gave it to us is special. We honor that person in that way. Our attitude toward a gift will determine greatly how we use that gift. And the gift of the church is no different. In the past few weeks, we've been going through this sermon series on being a church member. And I realize that even using that term comes with its own trappings. We try to, dis to distinguish between being a quote-unquote member of a congregation and being part of the body of Christ. And yes, we might get tripped up over little nuances, but the reality is that when Christ calls us and we receive that calling, that gift of salvation, he puts us into the body. And that does not mean just the invisible body of saints, past, present, and future in all places. It means a tangible, visible body of people that function together. And as we conclude this week, I really want us to to spend a little bit of time appreciating and thinking about the fact that your invitation to be a member of a church body is a gift to you. And my guess is that most of us don't immediately think of it that way. We might often think of it as an obligation rather than an opportunity. We might think of it as a burden rather than a gift. There are two scripture readings that I want to touch on. The first we've just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. There, there are two real key kind of concepts that Paul brings out in that little passage, and they do work together. One of those ideas that Paul brings out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is this idea of newness. If anyone is in Christ, he is what? A new creation. Old things have passed, behold, new things have come. So if we are in Christ, we are something new, we are something different than we were before. And that is a powerful, powerful con concept. The fact that when God gets a hold of us and we surrender our hearts to Jesus Christ, that he would come in and make his home within us and the Holy Spirit would start doing a work within us we start to become something other than what we were before. Someone say, praise the Lord. 
Where are you, AJ? Where do you go? There you are. Like You were doing great with this earlier. Say it for us. Praise the Lord. That's right. Praise the Lord. I am not what I used to be, and that is by God's grace. It is His gift to me that I don't have to be trapped in what I used to be. I can now become something that is the righteousness of God because God has given me that gift. Now, the thing we have need, need to uh, pay attention to regarding that this morning is that when we go from old to new, it's not our newness, although it's, it's, it's wrought within us. We enter into His newness, God's newness, Christ's newness. So we don't get to define what the newness looks like. He does. We leave the self behind. We enter into Christ's likeness. It's His definition of newness. And with that in mind, the other little concept, it's not really a little concept, that Paul brings out here in 2 Corinthians 5 that we read is this idea of reconciliation. Now, there are several places in Paul's epistles throughout the New Testament where Paul uses the wording of being reconciled to God. Now, we understand what reconciliation is, don't we? It, the, the, the word has you know, a handful of different nuanced definitions. One of them is not really a positive definition, but I don't even want to touch on that. The idea of, of reconciliation most of the time is something, it means something is uh, brought into agreement. It's brought into alignment. It means that people are brought into harmony when there is reconciliation. Most of the time when you and I use the term reconciliation, it's in terms of what? Your checkbook, right? Your bank account. Every month, if you've been trained right, you reconcile your account. Amen? I've known people who say, I don't know, if, they, if I go to the ATM and it gives me money, I just assume there's money in my account. That will get you into trouble. I just did this at home yesterday. You know the process, don't you? You take, you know, you take your bank statement. Here was the beginning balance. Here was the ending balance. Here are the transactions. You do the, the addition, the subtraction, and you hope that the difference between your amount and the bank's amount is zero. And mine yesterday said $30 difference. And I said, no. <laughs> My computer doesn't talk back, but if it could, it would have said, oh, yes, it's not in alignment. So I had to go through the hard work. Computers sometimes make it easy, and that's what I was hoping. Here's the ending balance. Here's the beginning balance. You know, you click the button, and it's supposed to say zero, but mine didn't see zero. And so I had to do the hard work of going line by line and figure out what I didn't put into the ledger. And it was my fault. But you see, reconcile means that you bring what you have and what the bank has into alignment. We use the same idea relationally. That being reconciled to God means that we are bringing the relationship that we have with God from brokenness into harmony. That is what Christ does for us. It doesn't make Him more like us. It makes us more like Him. We bring ourselves into alignment with where God is in Jesus Christ. But there's also another implication of this, that when we are aligned with God through Jesus Christ, 
we also become aligned with God's plan for us, which is alignment not only with himself, but also with his body. With his body. I know there are some ladies of the church who are studying 2 Corinthians now. There's a young ladies group who are studying 2 Corinthians. God bless them that they chose to read Paul, these young ladies. My goodness. But some, some, some not-so-young ladies are studying it also. To all of you ladies, let me just encourage you to remember that this letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth is written to a body with whom he is in tension. The relationships between Paul and the church are not the greatest right now. And it's very interesting to me that even though there are several other places in his letters where Paul talks about being that we in Christ are reconciled to God, that it's here in 2 Corinthians that he speaks of him having a ministry of reconciliation. And it almost seems to me that while what Paul is trying to so subtly get across is that being reconciled with God also means reconciliation within the body. You see, Paul is trying to walk a very fine line here. On one hand, he understands his apostleship, which means he has to be firm with the congregation because there are so many ways that they are not walking in Christ-like ways. And so he has to be firm with them in that regard, but yet that firmness can also set relationships in a very difficult place. He understands that there are some people in the congregation in Corinth who are not supportive of him. There are some people in the congregation in Corinth who are questioning his apostleship. He understands that the relationships are not what they should be. And Paul so much wants there to be reconciliation. He wants the relationships to be right. We have to understand that when we are reconciled with God, we are also made a part of His body. That is His newness. It's part of the gift. And we embrace it. Imagine, if you would, that you have desired to join the army. I know many of you in this room are past that point in your life. Jared McDonald, this is a shout-out to you. Imagine that you want to join the army. You say to yourself, man, the army has so much to offer me. I mean, I can, I can go and get good training in the army. It will help me become a more mature person. The discipline that I get from it will be great for me. Plus, I can get this great skills, these, this technical training that the, offer will, uh, that the army will provide for me. So you go and you talk to the army recruiter, and you tell him all the reasons you want to be involved in the army. And then you say to the recruiter, but I really don't have any desire to, to do it with other soldiers. Okay? I don't want to live in the barracks, so if you could arrange some private housing, that would be great. And, and the, the, the physical training, you know, I don't want to do that with my squad or my company or whatever it is. And please forgive me if I don't get the terminology correct. You know, if you, could, if you could just arrange a private trainer, a personal trainer, we'll do it that way. And, and the skills training, the, the technical training, um, I, I don't want to have to go to class with the rest of those guys and girls. You know, I'll just do it online from my home. Do you know what response you're going to get from the recruiter 
Well, I don't want to guess at the flowery response that you might get from the recruiter, but the essential message is going to be, that's not the way it works. Right? That's not the way we do it. I imagine that God's response to us would be the same if we were to say, no, I mean, I love what you're offering to me in Jesus Christ, Lord, but this connection with, with the church body, I mean, that's just, you know, that's really not the way I want to fly. I'll just do it all from home. I'll do it personally. God's response is going to be, that's not the way it works. Because when we are brought into relationship with God through Jesus Christ, we are placed into a functioning body to manifest his presence to the world. The ongoing active relationship we have with the church is essential in the plan of God. We cannot dismiss it or ignore it or allow it to become unimportant in our lives. Why? Because it is good for us. Hear what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10. I know I had printed in the bulletin that we were going to read uh, verses 24 and 25, but I wanted to go back and pick up verse 23 also. So uh, hear this from Hebrews 10, verses 23 through 25. The writer there says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The important point there is in verse 25, not forsaking our assembling together. But the reason for it he gives in the two verses leading up to it. Think for a moment about the, about the power and the meaning of the word forsake. To forsake something means that you had it, it probably was dear and important to you, but you chose to walk away from it. You left it. That is what the writer is saying that is going on in the congregations. That there are those who have been part of the congregation, but have turned their back on it. He doesn't give reasons. The reasons really are fairly secondary. But the fact that there are those who, for what, whatever reason, have considered that the assembling of the believing body has somehow become unimportant. Oh, how tempting that is today. I realize that it seems a little bit strange during these days of COVID-19 when we're practicing safe social distancing and really encouraging people if they're not comfortable coming out in public, which I still do. And, you know, I realize, thank goodness, for modern technology where we can still be connected, which is really the important part, okay? Being present physically is important. And if there were no other circumstances involved, I would say, yes, if you are absolutely, you know, if you are able to any degree, 
it is important to be physically present. So it seems a little odd right now to be talking about that. But the important thing is to be connected, to stay actively connected to what's going on in the congregation because it is good for our building as, as, as believing disciples of Jesus Christ. In verse 23, the writer says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, because he who has promised is faithful. Being a Christian in the world, being a, a Christ-loving, Jesus-following disciple in the world is difficult to do, because the world will not like you when you do it. You will not resonate with the world's ways. Let me tell you how it's easy to be a Christian in the world. Just keep your head down. Just fly low. Don't make a big deal out of it. Don't talk much about it. Stay true in your head and true in your heart, but otherwise don't make waves. And the world probably will just let you slide. That's the easy way. But we'll find out that that's not the faithful way. Because we find out that Jesus said to those who follow him that you're like salt and light in the world. You are there to be a seasoning, something that makes a difference. You are there to bring light into a world that's dark. You're there to bring the enlightenment of God's truth to the lies that the world tells. You're there to make a difference, and it's not easy. It would be so easy to be discouraged when you go into the world and you try your best to be faithful to the calling of Jesus Christ. You're going to get beat up. You're going to get discouraged. Where do you find encouragement? In the body. In the connection of believers that we are here to encourage one another. Not only that, but in verse 24, he says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds. I'm pretty sure that the King James Version there says provoke. I love it. <laughs> how, many, how many times in our modern language do you hear the word provoke used in a positive sense? <laughs> you just don't hear it, do you? Okay? To, to provoke one another, to stimulate one another, to, to be a, a, a source of stimulation to those around you, to the good deeds that we are called to do to the world around us. It's encouraging. Where do we find that? From one another, from being in relationship with one another. And this reminds us of why we gather in the first place. It's so easy to forget this. If you read this little book, I Am a Church Member, by Tom S. Rayner, you will have seen in there how he, he uh, points out that so often what we become in, in church life is more like a country club than a church. We show up, we want everything to be our way, it's, it's there for our benefit. You remember the Burger King jingle, have it your way? That's what country club thinking is like, right? You know, I pay my dues and I show up and, you know, people serve me and I have things my way. It's pleasant and acceptable. And we get hung up on the enjoyment of being part of the club. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you shouldn't enjoy being in fellowship with your brothers and sisters in the church body. You should enjoy it. 
If you don't enjoy it, then there's probably something wrong. But the fact that we enjoyment is not the reason we get together. But it's so easy to forget. Because it can become so much of a habit, so much of a priority to just do those things through which we get enjoyment. You know, we have a meal every now and then. We go out and we go places. I've been in congregations where they organize bus tours and, you know, we're going to get 40 or 50 church members and put them on a bus and go to Amish country or wherever. Is there anything wrong with that? No, there's nothing wrong with that. Unless we remember that that's not why we're a church. We're not a church, we're not a congregation, we're not a body of believers so, just so that we can enjoy each other's presence. We are a body of believers so that we can encourage one another uh, because being in the world is tough, being a Christian. You know, we, we need people around us who can say, you know, that's, that's all right, you've got to keep at it, keep on. You know, Jesus is faithful to us, it's all going to be worth it someday, just keep at it. You know, to think about, you know, what does the community need? What, what, what ways can we reach out? What ways can we impact these people to be the hands and the feet and the voices and the heart of Jesus Christ in our community? That's why we're together. And it's so easy to forget. Throughout the weeks leading up to today, we've looked at different facets of uh, who, what makes us a good church member. And, and I'll say that unapologetically today. A good member of the body of Christ, when we function, when we are unifying, when we are making sure that we are being selfless and it's not about me, it's about the good of the kingdom, it's about Jesus and His church. When we're praying for our church leaders and for one another, all of these things are, are facets, but the re brothers and sisters... I say to you that God has given us a gift. He talks about salvation being a gift. Many of you are familiar with Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You've heard that, right? Okay, Let, let's add the next verse, verse 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by His grace, through the justification which is in Christ Jesus. As a gift! Ephesians 2.8. How many of you have memorized that verse? For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a what? It is a gift of God. A gift. Freely given. Thought out in advance. Not for the giver, but for the receiver. A gift. And your place in the body is part of that gift. And it's so easy to just look at ourselves and say, oh, it's just an obligation. It's such a burden. No. That's the wrong thinking. God gives us the body as a gift that we might be encouraged and, and provoked to the good things of God. And so I invite you today to prayerfully think about how 
you think about the body of Christ. And whether or not you truly understand that it is a gift that God gives to you for your good. Would you pray with me? Gracious Father, I thank you that you were willing to give your son Jesus Christ, that he was willing to go to a cross of Calvary to give his own life. And as your word tells us that uh, you made him who knew no sin to make be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. God, what a great gift you have given. But we also understand, Lord, that part of that gift is being brought into this great body of believers, brothers and sisters who love you, who want to see your kingdom come, who who anticipate the day that we will see you face to face. So often, Lord, we confess that we take our place in the body so casually. Father, I pray today that we might repent of that, that we would commit ourselves to you once again by committing ourselves to the life of your church, to its building, to its health, to its mission, so that Jesus Christ would be known to our world in a powerful, life-changing way. Father, we thank you that all of this is your gift and all of this is your work, and so we trust it to you and we surrender ourselves to it. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. We're glad that you chose to spend this time with us in God's Word. You can catch our worship services online at www.rmumc.net. May the Lord grant you the light of His truth as you journey through this day.